Keep it real, keep it real, keep it real. This is your host, Winnie Brown, saying somebody had to hear this today. So today we're going to be talking about life after prison. And I'm going to be doing a little one-two series on, on this, so this will not be the only guest that will be talking about life after prison. But I'm happy to introduce... Lance. <laughs> What's up? Everybody knows Lance as Aquaculture. So thank you for being a guest. And yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I like I like uh I like the idea mm -hmm. of like talking to folks life after prison and like even just like even that support system for people mm -hmm. uh coming outside of prison because I feel like um a lot of folks that are coming out of that they don't have a strong support system and the easier for them to really kind of just like um, anybody really for them to really just kind of sit with their truth and who they are and mm -hmm. where they've been. Like I find that is the best way to, to get to where you need to, to go. That's right. why a lot, like I tell a lot of folks that are just coming out that are kind of like seeking that. And what should I do? I was like, bro, like when you or bro and sis, when you get into these spaces, don't be afraid to tell them where you came from. Because mm -hmm. that's where that that's the first thing I told people. Not only for me to feel comfortable around, or not not only for you to feel comfortable around me, but for me to feel comfortable around you. Right. And this is a joke, but <laughs> if, if I fart in the room, I'm telling you that I farted. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. So I gotta let people know I gotta feel comfortable. <laughs> right? right. So I I'm gonna you, tell you yeah. where I came from. Yes, I'm on parole. I'm doing this and that and this and this, and I just came out and did this. Yes, I was charged for this and da da da. Just so you can feel, I can feel comfortable being around you. Right. And as long as can, people can really just hone in on that, not not shying away from mm -hmm. their past and just kind of. No, and I like that. It. So can, um, you know, you don't have to get into details of what you did and how you got your charges, but you want to tell them how you got in trouble with the law and, you know, and like, and look where you are today, an artist. Yeah. So, yeah, take us there. Oh, well, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, go way back in I'll time. I'll start from the beginning. So uh, <laughs> I'm 31. I spent my first eight years of life in Spryfield, Nova Scotia. Yeah. That's where my mother grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother lived out there for a while. Um, but my grandmother moved from Spryfield into uh, Creighton Street, and she's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. And my family's kind of been in and around Spryfield and, uh, mm -hmm. and Creighton Street. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to... North End Halifax, it definitely was a change. It was uh, a culture shock. Spryfield's a lot. There's a there was a lot of mixed families out <laughs> right. there. And then coming into uh, the square, it was I was like, okay, there's a lot of black families out here, mm -hmm. and a lot of these black families are your cousins. Okay. And I yeah. was just like, okay, yeah, everybody's cousins, everybody's <laughs> uncles, and you no, know, this it was it was it was it was a it took a while to get used to, mm -hmm. and um, and then throughout the years, like I found, especially in school, like I was really. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to find like who my people was. You know what I mean? I was trying to like I, I definitely knew I was I definitely knew I was different from a lot of the folks that I was in class with. Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't really into sports that much. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know that I was I was into music. I, I knew that like I had it in me, like I would beatbox all the time, I would sing okay. under my breath. I wouldn't really let a lot of people hear me um sing or express myself creatively. Mm -hmm. And it took a while for me to kind of really get out of my shell, especially growing up in a neighborhood that was truly like uh the, there wasn't no room for creativity or expression. right right so i had to i had to go outside of the community to seek that and uh i would say around i'd say around 13 no 14 mm -hmm. the year of me turning 15 that's when i i've i i started hanging out with a friend that i looked up to mm -hmm. and they definitely had an influence on like 
how I started to act around the neighborhood. Right. Um, we're still really good friends today, mm-hmm. but like I, I, I can definitely, he was, he was a, he was an alpha male yeah. and I grew towards that. <laughs> right. Uh, because you know, I didn't really have a lot of father figure or like a really strong role model in my life mm-hmm. at the time growing up. I definitely had a stepfather. Um, but I was, I was definitely seeking, you know, male companionship outside of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so he, he influenced my behavior mm-hmm. at the folks I was hanging with at the time influenced my behavior. And what that drove me into trying to really fit in with mm, that crowd. Yeah. So I would go, I would go the full tilt. I think my first charge as a, as a youth was, I think it was assault and robbery, uh, that I wrote the gate, pleaded guilty to. I gave myself oh, up really? to the law because mm-hmm. I just felt like if I didn't, then I wouldn't have looked, I wouldn't have been looked at as like real or solid. Right. Uh, I didn't know how. I didn't know yeah, how to deal I get with what the you're law. Saying, yeah. I, I didn't know how to deal with it. Wow. So my first instinct was just like, okay, I'm just pleading guilty because I knew that, I knew that everybody else, um, everybody else in that circle and in that in in that mm-hmm. moment, they ended up going up to Waterville at the time. So I was like pleading guilty to kind of see if I can go up there with them, right. not only to be with them <laughs> but experience it. Right? right. Right. Because all I know. All, I was very curious. Like, yeah. If, if this is the lifestyle that I'm getting into, and this is like I need to go experience it to see if I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a very do it to see if it's if it's you, yeah. type person. Yeah. So I had the experience. I had to see if it was me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did go through that experience, my like I said, my first charge was armed robbery. It was yeah, it was armed robbery and assault. No, just sorry, it was robbery and assault. And then I pleaded guilty to it. And when I got to the courthouse, uh, I basically told the judge to yeah and wow. uh that <laughs> led me to waterville going to waterville for the first time and then coming home being in that environment mm-hmm. um coming home from that environment i was looked at as okay solid right so because waterville was the jail to yeah to be in at the god forgive me for saying it like that no, but you know the jail to be in at the time and like and, and I, it kind of was right mm-hmm. and i i don't really like I, don't, I didn't really like how Waterville was ran because it just made it so easy for youth to come back. Like, really? like the way yeah, that they, what, what is Waterville like anyway? It was, uh, it's, it's the way that it's, it's like almost like an octagon shape. Like the way that it's, there's like a main, there's like a main, uh, building. And mm-hmm. then when you go outside of the main building into the field, there's like one, two, three, four, five pods. And each pod had an A and B. Mm-hmm. And I think within each A and B might've been, I think a max 24, 24 kids. Do they have like programs really to help the kids? Basketball. Basketball. Uh, school. Um, football. There is a program. There is like a type of program in there where it's like if you're doing good and you kind of and you kind of uh, graduate not only to like cottages one to four, but if you're good enough, you go to a cottage that's called five, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure you get to go outside of the jail to go to school. And that's oh, okay. that's like the... That's like a program. I don't remember what, right. what it was called, but like I was only there for four months. The first month and a half I was there, I didn't necessarily, I didn't care too much about stuff. Mm-hmm. I just realized that oh, they're really feeding people up here. <laughs> Said feed people. Oh, you they feed people up here. I was like, oh, crazy. I ain't going home. I don't get this much meals at home. I'm staying right here. And I ended up gaining a lot of weight. So when I came home, oh my god, I came home. I was kind of looked at. I, again, I was, I was well like well oversized for my age at the time mm-hmm. tall so like i was looked at like i was kind of appointed like a leadership role when i came home oh, okay so even that um i mean i i, I was looked at as uh, okay yeah he's solid he's cool right so mm-hmm. I, I was trying to i was trying to you know keep that image for a long right. time uh up until i was uh 
up until I was 19, 18. I mean, I, I got, I, I got ran in and out of trouble with other stuff uh, when as, as a youth, like getting, mm-hmm. getting charged with breaking enters, getting charged with carrying firearms or selling drugs. And then when I was 18, that's when I ended up getting charged as an adult. For My arson. God. And then I went to Burnside for, it was 18 months. I think it was 19 months. What are you doing to burn down? Uh, well, <laughs> my interesting God. story. Oh, my Lord. At the time, <laughs> there was a bunch of, at the time, there was a bunch of, and I actually, you know what? I pride myself for this. I'm a changed man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I hear you. Keep so it I can real. talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, um, so we noticed, the, the folks in the neighborhood noticed that there was a few houses, what would you call them, vacant? Vacant, vacant vacant units yeah. that nobody was living in, but we knew that the police were in there. So, like, uh, I mean, we would kind of like look around and kind of see like red dot, red like cameras, mm-hmm. like red stuff yeah, in right. the windows, and kind of be like, "What's that?" Like, they'd have like a shade thing where you couldn't really see, but they had like a whole operation in the rooms. Wow, or in the units. So I was just like, you know what? We're firebombing them <laughs> all at the same time. We're oh firebombing them. And three houses went up in flames, and then the next day I tried to do it to another one, and that's when I got caught on that one. Because they had a camera directly set up um, in the window. Right. Wow. And uh, they pointed me out. Like they basically did like a huge. Uh, shouldn't say investigation, but it was it was a uh, it was a uh, the way that they did it. Like the trial, mm-hmm. I, I ended up pleading not guilty for it. The trial, they ended up bringing in like experts and stuff, and like this, this, and this, and what ended up getting me charged at the end of the day mm-hmm. was a, a a cop that was around the neighborhood could identify me on a camera. Oh, okay. And they were like, "Yeah, I've been surveilling Lance for the last <laughs> however long." Wow! And like I know that that's him. So they used that. They they that was their way of convicting me. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was I think it was nineteen months I did for that. When I came home, I don't think I was necessarily a changed person at the time. You went to we, Spring Hill. And no, at this time, uh, it was it was just provincially. Oh, okay. So I spent like eleven months. I think I spent eleven months uh, inside, uh, fighting it on like I was I was on. 11 months fighting the charge, like going to trial and stuff. And then they found me guilty. So I did another, however long. It equaled out to like 19, 18, 19 months, wow. 18 and a half months. God. And it was Sitting hard. on remand. Like, yeah, you got to be on remand all that long time. And then. It was hard. Uh, and it was hard really because um, just the way that Burnside is mm-hmm. and the way that it's ran, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the hardest, the harder jails to get through if you don't really, if you're not a person of status, I guess. Yeah. Um, if you don't have that credibility, it's going to be really hard for you to get by. Thankfully, I was able to get by because I'm not a small person. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, credibility-wise, I was okay in there. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? I knew a lot of people from Waterville. Um, and I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to fight for myself. Right. Um, and then when I came home, wasn't necessarily a changed person. I had a very, very grand <laughs> idea to basically do like this crazy... Uh, <laughs> Like uh, <laughs> this guy is too cold. No, I, I, I had this idea of like running this crazy like king drug ring thing. Like what? I had it all planned out when I came home because like there used to be um, there used to be I think actually in this spot there used to be no 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 where um so there's there's like a, a parking lot like a very huge parking lot Over right there. across the street from uh the the Y right like that parking lot that they're right that, out, yeah that used to be a dump. And it used Back to, in the olden days. Yes, it used to be a dump, like a metal dump, I think. And then it used to have the parking lot beside it yeah. going by Kit Kat. Yes. And I oh, was like, God. you know what? I am going to shut that place down and I'm going to turn it into, I'm going to turn it into uh, 
what Wesley Snipes. What, what's that movie, Wesley Snipes? Oh. <laughs> New, Jack New Jack City. I'm going to turn into New Jack City. <laughs> and I came home and it was gone. So I was like, you know what? I'm going no. to school. <laughs> you better stop. You better I was like, my, my plan's ruined. I'm going to school. So I did. I went and got <clears throat> the rest of my high school. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I wasn't working. So I was definitely still selling like weed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really getting into the heavy stuff. Just like selling mm-hmm. weed throughout schools or the school and like MDMA at the time. Yeah. Right? Like party drugs. And um, yeah, that got me through. And then I ended up, and through that time of me going to school, I went to Flex, Flexible Learning right. Education Center, I think it was called. I truly really started to become myself. Like I truly, like I started to, to change mm-hmm. my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I started hanging around folks that were really like, um, like I was able to be vulnerable around, okay, and like really kind of be start really being myself. And throughout that year of me going to school, ended up becoming a valedictorian of the school. Oh, I didn't, okay. up, I didn't get to graduate because I think it was like a week before graduation. I ended up getting charged again. And throughout wow. that year, um, yeah, the, the, that year for me was a real transition period. Like really holding accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, being in other relationships, like uh, really kind of. Uh, you know, hold myself accountable for like um, me being abusive in my relationships, really sitting with myself mm-hmm. in this in this year and really just kind of, uh, you know, forgiving myself, but also trying to forgive others for what they've done to me. Just mm-hmm. kind of just do my thing. Right. And then unfortunately, throughout that year, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of neighborhood to neighborhood tension. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be a victim here because everybody knows who I hang with. So I was running around. I was running around with my protection and I ended up getting arrested with that protection on me. Wow. And uh, they gave me they gave me five years for that. And that's when I went to Spring Hill. Wow. And it was I, they gave me five years. It was uh, it was the summer that I turned 21. My goodness. I think I got arrested. I feel like I got arrested in June, June. It was like June 5th or something. My mm-hmm. birthday was July 31st. And that I'm pretty sure that's where I where I met a lot of the guys again. Yeah. And, My goodness. And then um, it's yeah, I was only there for a month and a half. And while I was in there for the month and a half, I'm telling you, it was it was the most it was the thickest piece of tension I've ever been in my life. You can cut it. There was a lot of stuff going on at the moment. My God. And it was another one of those things where I had to make like really serious decisions to kind of really set my way for the time that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And um, yep, they gave me they gave me three years for a handgun. They gave me two years for a, a traffic uh, trafficking uh, a substance, mm-hmm. uh, trafficking crack cocaine at mm-hmm. the time. And I just play guilty. I was like, I'm not sitting here. I'm trying to fight it. Especially. You do a lot of pleading. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying because it just drags it on longer. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew when I got, I was caught red handed. There's no way I could have yeah. fought it. Right. <laughs> um, like they arrested me for a, a, a suspicious reason that was valid. Mm-hmm. And I had it on me. I didn't try to run. Um, I was just like, officers, like, boom, like, yeah, cool. Let's go. I'm not fighting you. Where'd you get the gun? I'm not going to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pleading guilty to this right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, and I and I treated it. I didn't treat it in like a way of like, oh, um, I wasn't angry with it. I mm-hmm. was just like, you know what? This is what I get from my actions, and I learned that from my uncle. My uncle was like, listen, if you're gonna be out here doing your stuff, then you can't be mad at you. You know what you're doing. So if they come for you, mm-hmm. you just gotta take it on the chin. Thankfully, I already knew how to do some time. So, so do you think that, like, I don't know, if you had your dad in your life, things would have been a little different, or? I question that for sure. Like mm-hmm. I question that. I understand that my dad couldn't have been around in my mm-hmm. life because of the way that his lifestyle. Right. I, I come to terms with that. That's fine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I definitely know if there's two things. I definitely know if I would have had a nice father figure in my life, if I would have had a really serious sense of family heritage, culture, and yeah. history, it would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, there's only so much, there's only so much a mom can do that's working three jobs, and they got three kids. There's only so much they right. can do. And then growing up like that, I was really forced to kind of seek out my 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 life. Yeah, seek it out, go through it. I had to like just go knee deep in stuff and just get my feet wet and stuff to see if I was interested in that. Mm-hmm. I have so many experiences where I just tried tried stuff just to see if it was me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I had to just go through that. I didn't have somebody saying, "No, Lance, this is not what you do." I had somebody, yeah. you know what? Go go see it. What see what happens? <laughs> All right. So, how did you become aquaculture? Well, I th- it was actually so when I came home ger- mm-hmm. after the. Spring Hill stint that I did. Mm-hmm. I got out on good behavior. It was 18 months. I did 18 months, came home. I ended up getting like a medium or a minimum, a minimum security, they call because mm-hmm. it's maximum, medium, and minimums. Yeah. And I came home from Dorchester minimum. And uh, I I immediately, uh, I, hanging with some folks in there, lifers in there that were like, Lance, like you only got five years. You're a good kid. You're a good dude. You know, you're smart. Get out there. Just kind of mm-hmm. stay away from this shit. Mm-hmm. So when I come home, I I was in a relationship. I thought I was going to get married in that relationship. We got engaged. That that didn't turn out. And uh, I was I think I was with that person for maybe a year before we split up. And after we split up, because I there's a few things I need to do. I need to keep myself busy. Yeah. I need to keep myself grounded. Yeah. And the one thing I did is I got a job as soon as I come home. Mm-hmm. I grounded myself by helping help my sister raise her kids. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know they they were she was a single parent and just just grounded myself by just doing everything that I could to help her out with her children coming mm-hmm. home daycares and I was in a relationship so they grounded me and I told my I told all my dudes listen I'm gonna be on parole for five years don't expect me to be around here and they respected that right yeah and um, uh, during that relationship that I thought I was gonna get married in. That didn't work out, and I needed something. I needed something to um, to get out what, what I was feeling, right? Because I, for a long time, music for me has been has been uh, a way for me to truly express who I am mm-hmm. as a person. I use music as a way of showing people and telling people who I am as a person. Yeah, because not a lot of people like to listen, <laughs> and they don't really. As some people tend to not believe you when you tell them who you are. Yeah, and so I was just like, you know, I'm going to use music. If I can, mm-hmm. if I can touch you that way, then, then boom, listen to listen to what I got to say through that, mm-hmm. and um, and and I recorded the first songs that I would have wrote while I was in prison because while I was in Spring Hill, I taught myself how to play the guitar. Get out. Yeah, and oh, okay. I wrote my first, I think, two songs in there. One of them uh, was called "Sure," which is a song about um, about just making or telling telling your partner and also acting. In a way where it lets your partner know that they're actually, like, they're safe with you. Yeah. Um, and, like, you can be sh- like you can be sure that, you know, I'm not going to get oats. Like, I'm not, you can be sure that I'm cool. Like, you don't have to worry about nothing. Right. right. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I recorded that song at the studio. And then through that process of recording that song, I had a few more songs that I recorded. And at this, I, I think... I think at this time, I, 
Actually, at this time, yeah, I changed my name because when I came home, I was rapping a little bit. I was going to the mm. studio and rapping. But at some point, I realized, oh, I'm actually like writing songs. Yeah. And I don't think that my the name that I had at the time, which is my street name, Lex, I don't think the name at the time was allowing okay. for more yeah. vulnerability and creativity. So I changed my name to Aquaculture. And okay, when I did do that, that's when, I, that's, when the, that's when music and creativity started flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wasn't tied to you know, my past life. Exactly. Everything associated with Lex was very negative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, recorded my first song, sure. That manifested into more songs that turned into uh, my first project, uh, an EP called Water Temple. Mm-hmm. And Water Temple is, when I first started performing that, it's kind of what solidified and kind of like what rippled effect, what I think mm-hmm. was my way of performing yeah and my vulnerability in performing the realness in my performance i think that rippled affected and then it brought me to where i'm at today yeah yeah but throughout all of you yeah. know through all throughout all of aquaculture i stayed very grounded in my career mm-hmm. just plumbing yeah i was shocked to know that you're that you're a plumber i was a like red seal baby <laughs> a red seal baby you better stop. <laughs> no that's good you know because like looking at where you are today, because you know a lot of guys, you know, you go back and forth, back and forth, you know, all the time, back and forth in jail, and then, you know, and I can speak because you know I have children that have been in prison and stuff like that, and being in jail for that long period of time and and seeing how they act, and even being married to somebody who was mm. in jail longer than a lifer, right? So he spent twenty seven years of his life in jail, and I didn't even know how to deal with being with him because I, d- I didn't understand institutionalization. Right. Yep. You know, and yep. I sometimes say, oh my God, look, here we go again. Listen to him <laughs> going again. You know what I mean? And he used to be so violent and, you know, but um, not excusing the violence that he did against me, you know, and, and honest to God, I have forgiven him because he, in his own way, he has asked me for forgiveness. Mm. And, you know, but... It took me time to have to sit down and learn about institutionalization yeah. and how it truly affects you because, and when I see that, and now even if I see him t- today or tomorrow, you know what I mean? And I look at him and just just seeing him, I'm like, oh my God, because he lives so rough. Mm. You know what I mean? He, yep. Yeah, like he, but he got out of jail after for once in his life, he's out of jail and hasn't turned around, went back after he did that 25 years, you know what I mean? Because he yep. did that length, and then you come out after being doing a long 12-year sentence and then go back for another eight-year sentence. But, you know, now he's in a place where he's at, that's cool. You know, I even look at, you know, my children that have been involved in the in the law and where they where they are and trying to progress, mm-hmm. you know, in life because it, I, I, I see the effect, how it has on you mentally, emotionally, yep. and psychologically. And just because of systematic racism that's yeah. involved in the justice system and stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely growing up in going uh, spending the rest of my time in Uniac Square. I definitely felt like there was a huge target put on a lot of the kids there, mm-hmm. and like they were like I would I to me if you're putting cameras in people's neighborhoods like that's Tip that's lock. that is violence to me. Because you are you, you you feel like you're being watched all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't go nowhere. You feel trapped to this specific to, area. Yeah. You don't feel comfortable going outside of the area, uh, outside of the community because of the stigma behind mm-hmm. it. And uh, it took a while to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And and 
institutionalization is real. Yeah. And how I how I feel like I was able to kind of overcome that mm-hmm. was truly just being able to fight for myself. Fight for myself and really kind of just like know who you are as a person mm-hmm. and not really kind of get entrenched in what the politics are most right. of the times in, in jails. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you entrench yourself in the politics, that's when you're just going to, that's when the institutionalization really starts to come. Mm-hmm. But like if you if you can learn from the folks that have been there for a while and yeah. see how they actually do their time and just mind your business and do your own thing. But can you really mind your business and do your own thing? You can really, you can <laughs> truly mind your own business mm-hmm. and do your own thing. You can, if you don't get into the politics. There's mm-hmm. a few things, like don't get, don't be gambling with people. So yeah. if you start gambling with people, then you're you're in it. Yeah. It's, if, if like to me, if you're just in there, you know, you're like, you, you you're, you're mindful of other people. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Everything's cool. You know, you you can give advice in a way, and you can just kind of get yourself outside of actually like being active. Mm-hmm. And by active, I mean like in the politics. Yeah. Then you can you can do all right. And and do these prisons like do Spring Hill got the programs? That, Spring Hill does have a lot of programs. Do they? Yeah, like I'm very fortunate for Spring. Burnside does not. It barely does. I'm sure it's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very grateful for what they're trying to do now. There's some guards up there and COs up there that are really trying to do their, their thing. Like I think during Black History Month, I was talking to a bunch of folks that were on the mm-hmm. that were on the unit, and I got to see a lot of folks and just kind of let them know my right. story and kind of break it down. Like hey, like try to like. <laughs> They probably weren't hearing me, but I tried to get to them, right? Right. Uh, like, yo, you can do it. You can get outside of what this is. But mm-hmm. if you, if you, if it's hard because if you don't have the ability to kind of stand tall for yourself, mm-hmm. it's hard to get outside of that. Yeah. Like, if you don't fight for yourself and if you don't, if you don't have the credibility to fight for yourself, because mm. you're going to get stuck and entrenched in it. My goodness. And I'm thankful that I am. Oh, um, I'm I'm a big guy. Right? Yeah. So people don't necessarily they they don't really try you as much. Right? Yeah. Um, there is a lot of programs in Spring Hill. Like I was able to learn that like there was a guitar program up there. I was able to truly sit mm-hmm. down with that. They had they they got um they got jobs that you can do up there. I think I got a bunch of construction certificates while I was up there. Like my windmills confined space. Oh, yeah. like My man lift ticket. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're able to get visits and stuff. People can come see you. Mm-hmm. When I, when I got to uh, uh, um, Westmore, like uh, sorry, Dorchester Minimum, I was yeah. able to like do my bricklaying course there. Okay. Um, they like the exercise programs. They had exercise programs there: basketball and like hockey. I was in. I was involved in hockey in Spring Hill too. Basketball I was playing like every single night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like exercising regularly in there. I was actually got to a unit where you're able to buy your own groceries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So I was able to cook my own stuff. I yeah. wasn't eating that stuff that they give you. <laughs> they have like a lot of black on. They have a lot of black products in there. Thanks yeah. to the Biffa Group, I actually found out through history mm-hmm. that there's a fellow named whose family is from here. His name's Ricky Atkinson, who started the Biffa Group out in. I want to say. He's from Toronto, but he was he was doing a lot of time. He did a lot of time in his years, and he he was one he was the one person one of the founding fathers of the Biffa Group, which is Black Inmates Friendships and Friendships and Associates. Okay. Which allowed now is like a an organization where like you know Black inmates and friends and associates yeah. can come together and just kind of talk about what their time is like and actually get products for them for themselves. Oh, okay. Like hair picks and like you know grease and stuff stuff to kind of really maintain. Really. Cocoa butters and stuff. Get out. Um, 
So yeah, there's a lot of programs. There's a lot of programs. You just got you you, you know you just gotta work your program. You gotta work your program, mm-hmm. and they, and they tell you like there's a program. It's a, I think it's like a three to six month program, depending on what your intensity is, mm-hmm. like your score. There's a program that you have to do. It's and it's just going and basically like learning accountability, mm-hmm. because if you don't learn the accountability and you really don't kind of come to terms with, you know, your stuff, they don't let you out. Because mm-hmm. if you want to get out early, you basically have you have to. You want to get out early, you have to do your program. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have to be in in your program being your case plan. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you have to really kind of own up to what you've done. Right. So like, it was interesting for me because they, they questioned me on some stuff that didn't make no sense to me because they, they, they picked me up when I got charged for, got charged for uh, the weapon possession and the, the drug possession. Mm -hmm. They... They tried to say that I was that I was a person that did like an armed robbery in the neighborhood because I had the stuff on me that fit the description. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the longest time, when I was trying to go for parole, and like my um, my parole officer in there, I, I want to say it's a caseworker, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say, "Oh, you have to admit to this armed robbery." That That's what I was going to say. Don't tell me you admitted to the armed. Oh no! Oh, I was going to say. No oh. way. No. Oh. And I told him as a cuz, like, I'm not admit listen, yes, I had a gun on me. Yes, I had drugs on me, but you're not gonna sit here and tell me that I'm I'm guilty of an armed robbery that I didn't commit or mm-hmm. even got charged with. Mm-hmm. Um simple. And and the reason why they couldn't really stick it to me is because the person that did the per the person that got robbed knew that it wasn't me who did it. Right. When I got charged and they saw in the paper, oh, this person, Lance Sampson, got charged for an armed robbery, they immediately were like, that, no, that's not him. Oh, okay. That's not the person who robbed me. Right. So, but it's just weird because even having that <laughs> in the back of your hand, in the back of the case, that the, he knows that Lance didn't do it, that I didn't do it, and the and the case workers and stuff were still trying to get me to, to admit to something I didn't do. And it came up in, on your parole hearing, too. Oh, he says that here that you're not really trying to. Um, yeah. Hold, hold your, uh, you're not taking accountability for this armed robber here, officers. Because that wasn't me. That's, right. And when you look at the case, really, the person that did do it is actually already in jail. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. But um, yeah, it just takes it just takes a true matter of just kind of knowing who you are, knowing your lane, figuring out who you are as a person, mm-hmm. fighting for yourself, standing with yourself, standing ten toes down. And, and and truly just not really getting involved in the politics. And if it really truly comes down to it in there, if you gotta fight somebody over being who you are, then you gotta do it. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, no one's gonna fight for you but yourself. Right. And um yeah, it just and then like I said, the support network is very important when you come home. Yeah. Like really exactly. surround yourself with people that, you know, mm-hmm. are comfortable with who you are, comfortable with where you've been. And it's really hard getting old and having to you know, integrate back into society, like is it like a different world out here? It de- well, it time stops when you go in, yeah. but it doesn't when you come when when it's out here. Yeah, it yeah. stops for you when you go in. Time's still going on over here. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of stuff does change, but if people can just truly um, practice coming home and just being honest with where they've been, mm-hmm. they will be fine. Because the people that want you in their life, or the, or the people that are supposed to be in your life, will still be in your life. When you break right. it down. The more that you hide from it, the more that you're like, ah, and, you know, the more that you hide from it, the more hard it's, it is going to be for you to kind of really maintain mm-hmm. out here. So now you have a new song out? 
Oh. <laughs> well, I, I, I you better a, stop. I it. have a. <laughs> I have a recent collaboration with a friend of mine. Her mm-hmm. name is Jen Grant. A video just came out. It's yeah, called Nobody's that. Fool. I think that. Uh, which is very cool. We shot that in Toronto mm-hmm. and in Guelph. Uh, the most recent song, the most recent song that I put out, the most recent project that I put out is called "Don't Trip." Mm-hmm. It was released last year, July, July twenty second. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still it's still doing pretty good. Like it's got it's it's actually gotten a few nominations at the ANSMA. Uh, it's gotten a few Music Nova Scotia nominations. Actually, mm-hmm. you nominate this year too. Nominated for ANSMA. Yeah, I this think for oh, best is... music video and best album. I think. Maybe the best single, I think, a recording. I was meant to actually perform at Ansma, but I had a um I had a commitment. I have I have I had a prior commitment on the same date. Right. So um, like as as much as it, you mm-hmm. know, pains me for not being there for my peeps. <laughs> I have a commitment. Right. So can we hear you? Can I mean, you hook us up? I can definitely try. <laughs> you better stop playing games. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play a song. I might play a song <laughs> from uh, the first record that I put out. Okay. With friends of mine, uh, Nick Dorado, Nathan Doucette, Jeremy Costello. It's off of our first, uh, my first album that I put out. Mm-hmm. It's called Legacy. And Legacy for me is, was a project that I put out that really just meant, it, re- it had me think about the future. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I want to be remembered for? <coughs> right. <coughs> um, do I want to be remembered for Lex? Mm-hmm. No. Do I want my kids to really yeah. be comfortable with where I've been and all that stuff? Yes. And kind of know who I am as a person? Yes. And Legacy was a chance for me to um, show people ex- ex- really who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And it was the first album that we put out, and I'm going to play a song. Mm-hmm off that record it's called um i was gonna play i actually was gonna play legacy but i think i would play uh open your eyes okay which is a song that i wrote <clears throat> uh when our uh, julie and i's daughter was born georgina when she was born I, I think it was like i was just looking at her on the on the on the coach she was she was getting changed and then the lyrics to the song just started started pouring out Okay, knock yourself out. We hear that. It's called Open Your Eyes. It's very simple. Trying to fix my coffee, I hear the phone ring. A woman's voice saying, How you doing, Mr. Simpson? In a long time, sounds like good news. Set the table. And I'll be there as long as I'm able Till we're old and gray or disabled 
your beauty lights up the room in the beginning it feels like you can't shake them hold oh, no waste a minute trying to chase what you couldn't have there's good love in them kisses just gotta open your eyes And no one told me about the give and takes of being in love And no one told me that you bleed before you find the one and no one told me how to love before I'm dead and gone. I had to learn it on my own. We got the universe working all the time. Whoa. no qualms we lose life every day but we brought life into ours cause I've been two weeks no job trying to get out of bed for me has been a full-time job I can't keep up with credit cards but I won't stop my baby just got good news in the beginning it feels like you can't shake them hold oh, them waste a minute trying to chase what you couldn't have there's good love in them kisses just gotta open your eyes You just gotta open your eyes You just gotta open your eyes You just gotta open your eyes my guy don't play. Thank you. Thank you. Call the call. No, I love it. I love it. I was trying to I was trying to I was trying to change up the way I sing it at a certain part. Like, oh, it didn't work. That didn't work. No, we're not doing that one. Oh, we're not gonna try that. Man, no, that is amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Wow. And as you see, that was aquaculture. Would open your eyes. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I appreciate that so much. Honest to God. We got we got some stuff that we're gonna do together. So anything else you wanna say before we uh I think, well, you know, keeping it real. Yeah. Uh, a great, great platform. And I really truly think that more people feel comfortable enough to come and talk to you about life after prison for them. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, anybody who has or is seeing this that is struggling with coming home yeah and not really knowing what to do because just do what you can to stay grounded do what you can to kind of stick to the goal 
And uh, don't be afraid to reach out to me in particular because mm -hmm. I've been there. And uh, yeah, tell people how they can reach out to you. You can reach out to me. Uh, my my DMs are always open on Aquaculture, Instagram. Um, you can also reach me at uh, aquaculturemgmt at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Facebook, Lance Sampson. Um, like I said, I'm always always open to talk. Um, haul at me if you need me for anything, really, not just, you know, uh, getting out of jail related issues. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I can be a resource to you. Oh, and right. also, why don't you let people know about the new East Link thing that you're doing? Oh, put wow. it out there, yeah. Yeah, so I we can know. That. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about you that. that chance. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so recently just got uh, just got approved and 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 go ahead to invited to uh, to host and direct a TV show with East Link. Um, that show is called Generations, or it's going to take us across Nova Scotia, talking to Black people of our communities about what they specifically remember about growing up in their neighborhood or community. Very excited for this because I, uh, I, I, I'm very passionate about um, preserving mm -hmm. our memories uh, because I know for one, like if we don't start documenting what our aunts and uncles and grandmothers yeah. and grandfathers are talking about, uh, it's gonna get lost and we're gonna just start, we're gonna, a lot of our youth and a lot of our kids are gonna get taught through means like, you know, social media and, not medias culturally, and, stuff, and, and not, not culturally, culturally right yeah so and, and i love learning from other people i love learning from mm -hmm. other people's uh stories mm -hmm. i love learning from other people's memories and like just you know just yeah. thinking about um instead of like w instead of going on crazily about looking up like nova scotia archives about what used to exist and stuff, yeah let's just get it from the people right what they remember about like what what creighton street used to look like what they remember what jelly bean used was like yeah what they remember what like east preston was like and like things that are are no, no longer around mm -hmm. or like things that even like if they were in, like stuff that was in downtown halifax that used to be right around, stuff that was on these streets at like churches right like memories like that and and not only like what what i find what i find uh more interesting too is like going outside mm -hmm. of the city yeah and like really trying to speak with like more rural areas exactly of, uh, nova scotia because yeah. there's so many there's so many black communities in nova scotia 52 i think we have isn't it 52 yeah. Yeah, and I would just I would love you know I'm 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 very passionate about this. Uh, anybody, if anybody's interested, uh, holl at me. We're I'm hollering. I'm hollering. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you, Winnie. We're gonna be shooting in October, starting October oh up until November, in a little bit of December. And like I said, it's it's for not only like my generation, it's for the generations after. It's for uh, the people. black people of all the communities. Yes, okay. yes. It's for it's for us to really kind of look at this stuff and really just kind of uh, remember mm -hmm. the stuff that where we, we come from. where we come from. Yeah, right? great, yeah. great. Thank you so much. So there you guys, you have it. So this is your host Winnie Brown saying, "God bless you, whether it's homework or play." And you know what I'm going to say next. If it's not real, it's not true. And if it's not true, it can't be real. Straight up. So <laughs> keep it real. I'm out of here. This is not goodbye. This is so long. Till next time. Mm -hmm.